Hello everyone. Thanks for uh thank you for watching and thanks for all your questions that you asked. Um yeah, so today we're going to be talking with Ray Diaz. He's a uh, he's our in-house mortgage specialist and um yeah, no, he's he's awesome. Oh hey. Hey Ray. <laughs> How do I let you in here? And I perfect. So I'm just going to let you in. Perfect. Hey. Hey, how you doing, Chantel? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. This is my Long first. I, I know. I know. This is my <laughs> first Instagram Instagram live. Uh, it's, is it yours? Yeah. Yeah. Mine too. So <laughs> should be good though. Looks like we have a couple of viewers. So hey, everybody. <laughs> hello, hello. Okay. Perfect. So yeah, uh, like I was saying, Ray is an, uh, he's our in-house mortgage specialist at our office. He, he's really awesome at what he does. And so Ray, why don't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit? Hi guys. Uh, again, uh, my name's Ray. Um, I've been in the mortgage business for, for many years. So around 14 years, we, uh, we have a team that, that I'm leading with uh, Mortgage Alliance. Our team is called Expert Mortgage Agents. Um, and, uh, like I said, we've been in this mortgage business for many, many years and certainly, I uh, appreciate, uh, uh, working with somebody like Chantal, uh, you know, somebody of, of, of her quality, her character and certainly expertise. So we're all thank lucky you. to have you here too. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect. Perfect. Now, so, do you, so go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, so I was, did you want to like dive into the questions or how did you want to do it? I. I do have actually somebody uh, sent me a question here about about you, and and it's actually uh, something that I'm curious about. I wonder what your origin story is as as a realtor. How did you become a real estate agent, and what do you love about the real estate business? Okay, cool. Thanks. Um, so, well, in 2015, I went to Australia. I was uh, I lived there for a year, and so that's when I first kind of got introduced to really nice like houses and stuff like that like there were some houses literally that had uh, like tennis courts in the yards and stuff like that so I thought it was really cool um, and then when I got back from Australia you know I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do so I wrote down a list of things that I was considering um, you know one of them was a realtor obviously um, another was I was considering um, being a psychotherapist and those sorts of things, right? And then, uh, so kind of figured out that being a realtor would be the ideal kind of uh, scenario for me. So that's what I ended up choosing. So what is it about being a realtor that, that you love? Oh, so like, I just like love working with people. Um, I've worked in the hospitality industry. Um, like pretty much all of my jobs have been in the hospitality industry. So um, yeah, I just, I like working with people. I, I love, I'm kind of a people pleaser to be honest. <laughs> so I, I like um, just providing people with good service and, you know, um, seeing smiles on, on their faces and getting things done for them. So yeah. That's awesome. I, I, I can attest to that because I know that a couple of the uh, referrals you, you've been able to uh, send over uh, our way, they, they always love you. They talk, they talk, you know, the world about how great you are. And, and, and certainly, I think being a people pleaser now, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Sweet. So I guess I'll, uh, yeah, we got a lot of good questions um, in.
Um, so I guess I'll start with one related to mortgages. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, so they were one of our um, one of the questions was is what's the ideal um, down payment needed. Sorry, I'm, I'm reading because I wrote them down here. <laughs> What's the ideal uh, down payment needed um, to get the best mortgage rates? That's a good question. Um, there's certain minimum down payments that we require getting into, you know, if you want to consider buying. But there are certainly uh, down payments that, 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 uh, that if that's the size down payment that you have, they'll help you get the lowest rate. So there's two categories. One is if it's high ratio. So mortgages with less than 20% down has to be insured. And if it's insured through either CMAC or SAGEN or Canada Guarantee, it actually lowers your interest rate. Now, you do have to pay the, uh, the mortgage insurance premium, but because it's less risk for the bank, they offer us low rate on that. Now, the other category for the lowest rate possible is if you're putting 35% down payment or more. Again, based on risk from a bank's perspective, if you're putting so much down payment, it makes it, it, makes, it makes it less risky for them. So they offer the best rate. So less than 20% down or more than 35% down. Okay, that's actually interesting because I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that. That's good people to know. Don't. Yeah, people don't know. <laughs> Certainly, you know, rates is one piece and that's a, it's a good question. Thank you. Yeah, yeah no worries. Now, is it okay if I ask you a real estate question? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so I have one here that somebody said. We hear that it's, it's, sorry, we hear that it's a hot seller's market right now. What good strategies should buyers have given current markets? Yeah, so it definitely is a really hot market right now. I mean, pretty much most homes that are on the market are going into multiple offers and it's, uh, it's yeah. So I'd say one important thing is definitely to get pre-approved um, because in this type of market where it's really competitive and everything, you want to kind of know what you can afford going into it. That way, if you have to go in without the condition of finance, you can. Um, another tip I would say is like, don't have your expectations so, so high. Um, remember that when you're, as, for, as a first time buyer, for example, uh, when you're buying your first place, it's not going to be your forever home. It's more of a stepping stone, right? So it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. And you probably won't get the first one. You might have to, you know, lose a couple to get the right one. So, yeah. Yeah, don't have your expectations too high. And it's about time in the market, not timing the market. Well, having an expert like you, I'm assuming, helps too, right? To make sure that, yeah. they, that you're able to set the right expectations. And in all honesty, on the financing side, I do look up who the realtor is that's being rep that, that represents our buyers because you know you want to make sure that they're getting the proper advice and like i said you know i've worked with a couple of your clients yourself i know that you do you you've got their best interests at heart and certainly your expertise shows yeah thank you <laughs> <laughs> okay so i have another question for you so um let's go with so is it harder for a self-employed person to get a mortgage? Um, it really depends. Um, self-employed, you typically need to be self-employed for more than two years, two to three years or longer, depending on the lender. So that's an immediate qualifier, right? It's like, okay, well, if you just open your business and you're, you know, you're predicting you're going to have a $2 million sales revenue, well, 
because of the fact that it's a new business, it might not be something that's easy to finance. Well, that in itself makes it a little bit more difficult. But if you claim a good size income, you're as good as everybody else's. Now, obviously, the challenge on some of the business for sale components is that, you know, somebody that has, let's say, an incorporation in terms of business, they might not claim all the income for this year because they can defer. They can put off the income for later years. Um, now, if you've got a scenario where uh, you have lots of expenses or cash component to your business, that could be a challenge. So there are certain avenues where you go, we got to watch out for these things. But certainly, if you've got you know, a well-established business and reporting good income, you can borrow as much as everybody else is. Yeah, yeah. And the, that was uh, Stacy's question. So I, she's like, yeah, I've been in the business for two years. So that's great. <laughs> oh, perfect. Stacy, it's, it's, it's time to buy now. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Um, can I ask you another question? So um, let's see. Okay. So this one's kind of a, what is, what is the process of getting pre-qualified or pre-approved? Like how does that whole process work? It's actually pretty simple. Now, I usually suggest having that as one of the first or early steps in, into buying. Um, it just sets the, the expectations that you're not, you know, overreaching, you know, for, for, for the properties that you're looking out there. So if, before, if you do start looking at properties before you're pre-qualified, you might be looking at properties at, you know, one million, but your, your affordability can only get you to an $800,000. So it does set you up for, for some disappointment there. But the process of the pre-qualification is actually fairly simple on our side. There's really three main things that, that uh, we look at when we're approving a mortgage. Now, on the pre-qualifications, we concentrate on the, two, the first two things. So, you know, one is affordability. In terms of affordability, we look at your income, we look at your credits, we look at the source of the down payment. So not just look at it, we actually get the, uh, the proof that, you know, with, with pay stubs and T4s and letters of employment. So we know how much income we really have to, to work with. Some people, you know, when you talk to them without the proof, sometimes people says, oh yeah, I make $100,000 a year. It's actually $92,000. We get, we tend to, we, get to, we tend to, uh, um, let's say, Over. round up when yeah. it comes to income. And for expenses, we tend to round down. So that's why we need to see the proof. Because again, it could mean that you can get to an $850,000 purchase price versus maybe a $900,000 purchase price. So yeah. affordability, so we look at the income, we look at the expenses, we look at the down payment. And then the second thing is credit history. So we went from affordability to credit history. Now credit history basically tells us your uh, your, your, your likelihood to pay your financial responsibility affordably tells us the likelihood, the, the ability to do it. Now, the last thing is the property. On a pre-qualifications or pre-approval, we don't get to check, we don't get to check that until we have a live deal. So the first two things, affordability and credit history, and it's actually that simple. Oh, it looks like we have a question. Wait, I hear you shouldn't make a big, or you should, yeah, where did it go? Uh, I hear you shouldn't make big purchases before buying a home. What's expensive? Yes. That's a good question, actually. That is a very good, timely question, because we usually say, if you're looking to actively buy now, there's a couple of things that, that you shouldn't do. You know, don't get 
that nice Mercedes Benz that, that you've always wanted, hold off until we get the purchase of the home. Um, don't change jobs, right? Or don't quit your job to start own business. So there's a few things in there and that's a good one. The big one is don't buy any expensive um, yeah. credit. I would even say like furniture and things like that. Like if you're gonna use your credit card, like say if you like, you know, you put an offer and your offer gets accept accepted and you're all excited, you're like, yes, like I've got a house. Like I would not go and buy all the furniture that you plan on using because they're gonna like Ray or yeah, Ray will be checking that at the end too. If it doesn't match up, then it they they won't like that. So yeah, yeah, and and that's yeah. that exactly that's a very good question. So we we faced we faced that before. So we do remind our clients to make sure and say, hey, Chantel, it's great that you're approved now, but it doesn't stop there. We got to get you to the finish line, and the finish line means that don't change your income, don't change your current credit and stuff. Don't make sure that you're still making your regular payments, at least the minimum, and and you know that that expenses is a big portion of what we uh what we look at in approving right is, yeah. is it okay if i ask you a question i've got another question here yeah for sure okay have you seen more and more buyers considered areas outside of the immediate gta and why yeah have i seen buyers consider areas outside of the gta yes i have um so especially because the GTA is it's just getting so expensive, right? So what I've been seeing a lot of like first time buyers do is kind of go to the suburbs and even like the suburbs of the suburbs. So say area like areas like, um, like, you know, Kitchener, Cambridge, Orangeville, Hamilton, those sorts of areas, it's a little bit more affordable. And so your, your money just goes further. So say if you were going to buy a $600,000, uh, you know, one or yeah, one bedroom condo downtown it, so for some, it makes more sense for them to buy something in Cambridge, 600000 and maybe you're getting a townhouse. So you get something a little bit better. It, not better, but, you know, you get something with a little bit more space um, for the same price. So, But it, at the end of the day, it comes down to, you know, where you're working, um, look, yeah, and those sorts of things. How, how far have you gone? Uh, how, you know, okay. taking a client, oh, no. how far have you gone? <laughs> Uh, so, well, I had one investor client, actually, and they bought in Ottawa. <laughs> but, oh, you mind again how far is Ottawa from where you are? Yeah, no, but okay, so that's a long story. I have, um, I have family who live out there, too, so I just, like, went and stayed with my family. But, um, yeah, <laughs> that's the furthest, if you really want to know. <laughs> oh, We've got a good question there. What does this say? Hi, Kira, by the way. <laughs> um, would it make sense to buy a small condo and rent it out and then to rent a bigger place and live in it and then rent a bigger place and live in it? Um, that's a good question. It, I feel like it would really come down to the numbers of everything. Um, I think Ray actually was going to ask another, uh, another question that's kind of similar to that, so I'll just kind of address that now. Yeah. Um, so it was, he was going to ask, um, you know, buying a house that say has, um, two units. So say you can, live in the upper, you can live in the upper unit and then, um, rent out the basement. I would say that would be something I would lean towards more than actually buying something, renting that out and then renting somewhere else. Cause that just kind of seems like a lot of different 
steps, right? Um, whereas I feel like if you just buy something, you know, that's multi-res, like not multi-residential, but um, has two units, say you live in the upper floor and then uh, you have a tenant live in the basement, um, they, they'd be paying, you know, a significant amount of your mortgage. So it, you'd be, like, you'd have less expenses and, um, yeah, it, it'd just be a good situation. The cons of that, though, I'd say would be, um, the cons would be that obviously it's a little bit less privacy because the person's right there. Yeah. Do you think, have you seen the, a little bit more demand for those kind of properties out there? Because, I mean, they, they don't typically come in through, uh, through the builders. They, they, you know, they're really mostly, uh, you know, resale properties and stuff. And yeah. I think that's, that's a, it's a good tactic to, to get into managing your cash flow but does it make it more i guess attractive for more people to make does that make it more competitive i guess if you want to look for those properties yeah yeah no it definitely makes it a little bit more competitive for sure um but yeah yeah no that's a good question kira i've never actually i've never had anybody actually do that like in my personal experience so but yeah, it, it's in, in theory, it would make sense, but it does seem like a lot of moving parts. Yeah. We've got a good question down here. It says, could you get a larger pre-approval if you show you'll be renting the basement? Um, the quick answer is yes. Uh, we're, able, we're able to use the additional income from the basement. Now, it has to be a separate unit, though. So when I say it's a unit, a separate unit, typically it means separate bedrooms, separate kitchens, separate bathroom. You can have a joint um, a laundry room, but ideally separate entrance. Um, yeah. Some lenders require that it has to be a legal basement, legal basement apartment. Uh, some lenders, as long as you have those pieces, they'll still approve it. So the additional income definitely helps for, for pre-approval purposes. And so question on that question then. Yeah, of course. So the so would the amount so say if you're renting the basement out say for like a fifteen hundred, yeah. like would you be able to put that whole amount towards? Some lenders will go us will go up to most lenders will go up to eighty, eighty-five percent. Uh some mm -hmm. lenders go up to uh a hundred percent actually. Yeah, we have a lender that would go up to a hundred percent because it's uh, owner occupied. Uh some lenders, a lot of the lenders will go fifty. Okay, cool. Yeah. But again, one of the things that it would do is that it adds on to your uh, income that we can use to to calculate your ratios and stuff, right? Normal. Yeah, yeah. Put a little bit more, Perfect. and then so yeah. And I feel like the piece of having somebody kind of pay part of your mortgage for you, like a good chunk of it, that's that that's the part that's really attractive to me, anyways. Like yeah. I would do that. <laughs> I, it's it it just makes sense, right? When you're looking at those kind of scenarios where you're paying for the mortgage, obviously, but you have somebody else maybe, you know, takes half of that payment or even more than half of that payment, that, that you know, that's a good relief uh, for, for, for your own personal income. And maybe you still have the ability to, to save for any other future investments that you may have. But at the same time, you're, you're already a homeowner. So the capital appreciation on, on that property just, uh, just works. So economic benefit of it is is definitely ideal. For sure. Yeah, time in the market, not timing the market. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. So she just had another question. Uh, even yeah. though it's projected, projected income. 
Um, some some lenders would do mark, what we call market rent uh, on it. So okay. if you don't have an existing lease, uh, mm -hmm. we depending on the loan to value, we can actually send an appraiser to evaluate the property value, but also help us figure out what the, what the market rent is for for that basement or for that rental property. So yes, we can do that with some lenders. Okay, cool. Does this concept work if you replace basement to a separate unit in building? Um, if it's if it's a duplex or triplex or up to four units, it's going to be considered under a residential um, borrowing component. Anything over five, it'll be yeah, <laughs> yeah multi-unit <laughs> multi residential. Um, but again, from that perspective, it's Technically, it has to be uh, one property to be to be considered as such. Now, if you're in the same building, so let's say you you bought a unit in the building and a second unit maybe above you, below you, but it's in the same building, those are treated as two separate mortgages, two, diff two different qualifications. But certainly, we will count the the rental income to maybe offset some of the expenses on the on the rental unit. And then we still have to qualify your income for for that uh, for that mortgage that maybe you're buying for yourself. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. That's that's good to know. I have more questions for you. Please, please. <laughs> um. Okay. Where's the question? Oh. Okay. So, what is the first time homebuyers incentive, and how does it work? It's it's actually one of the newer incentives that's uh, that's been brought out there by the Canadian government. Um, what it does is that it helps people uh, get additional down payments uh, for their purchase. Now, it only applies if you've got less than 20% down. So that's one, one first thing that you need to know, right? But you still need to come up with a minimum down payment for it. So if you're buying something for uh, $500,000, you still need to make sure that you've got 25,000, which is 5%, which is uh, typically is the minimum for, for, uh, for, for a $500,000 purchase or less. Now, when it comes to the home buyer incentive, the government will top up another 5% or 10%. So if it's a new build, uh, if it's a new build purchase, it's either 5% or 10%. For resale, it's 5%. Uh, you only have the 5% option. It's repayable back within the 25 years. Um, but what it does is that it lowers your mortgage payment because of zero interest uh, incentive there. But like I said, it's repayable back to the same percentage of how much you sell the property for. It seems like a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, verbiage there. All it is is that if you bought something for 500000 today, let's say, and it's a resale property because you went with uh, Chantel, you know, you're going to come up with your minimum 5% down. And let's say the government gives you an additional 25,000, which is 5%. So conceivably, you've been able to put 10% down in total there. Now, yes, 10 years from that. So we say it again? So you'll pay uh, the mortgage insurance on the 10% instead of yes, the 5%. Yes. yes, you pay insurance on the 10%. Now, the only thing though is the catch is that now the government's is, is a shareholder, an equity stakeholder of that same property. So let's say yeah. 10 years from now, it's worth a million dollars. You don't just owe 25,000. You basically owe 5% of a million. So ultimately you owe $50,000. Now it's, it's a good incentive. There's and maximum amounts. Say that again. I think 
both ways though too right like say if the property value dropped which i don't expect that to happen anytime soon but say if the property value dropped to uh, 400,000 from 500 then you owe 5% on the 400 that's correct so that's yeah. so for for markets where it's flat or going down obviously that that may be to your advantage because technically it's going well not ultimate advantage but certainly your your borrowing that you have to replace or the what you have to replace through through the first time home buyer incentive goes down as well the, uh, yeah. there's a few tricky things in there but you need to kind of know certain details because you know if you're looking to buy a five hundred thousand dollars and put two hundred thousand dollars as renovation well that means that now the property could be worth seven hundred thousand dollars or over now you basically the, the government doesn't share the additional expenses for renovation but if you sell it for seven hundred thousand seven fifty or even a million dollars you still technically owe the same amount the same percentage amount yeah perfect great awesome did you have any other questions for me or can i keep asking keep drilling them into you or? <laughs> i i don't have any more um questions from uh, from uh, um, uh, from the ones that, that were sent over but uh, tell me you know based on how I forgot how long have you been uh, a real estate agent so I've been in the business for about two years now actually yeah yeah so still fairly new but I feel like lately things have definitely been picking up and uh, yeah I'm, I'm really happy so <laughs> yeah but what do you think is you know if, if you're talking to somebody new that's just trying to get into into the business today um yeah. or maybe even yourself if you were talking to yourself two years ago uh what would you say what would be a suggestion what would be a recommendation that you have to you let you'll have to you know uh give yourself two years ago and say you know watch out for this so that you don't make those mistakes or maybe yeah. something like maybe focus on this because this is gonna do us really really well yeah, honestly, I would say make sure you interview a few different brokerages um, and make sure yeah, to see where you kind of fit the best. Um, when I first got into the business, I was at a different brokerage than I am at now. Um, I love my brokerage now. Like Royal Page Meadowtown is honestly the best. Like, if, any, if there's any new agents that are getting licensed, I definitely recommend joining us. Um, but yeah, I would say definitely pick a good brokerage and um, yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you one more? It's just something that just came up. Um, yeah, sure. Obviously, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, and, and things are opening up, opening up a little bit, uh, I think, starting Monday. Um, but how, was, how, were, how, were you, have, how have you changed your business prior, you know, prior to the pandemic, prior to the COVID, to where we are now? Has there been what, – what were – you know, what would be something that you've, you know, you've operated differently? Do you use more technology? Do you use more of these video things to, to talk to clients or show houses and such? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it, there's been a lot of virtual, a lot of, um, you know, like DocuSign or AuthentiSign, like doing deals, not even on paper anymore, just virtually. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, I also, yeah, I've been doing a lot more like on social media, trying to obviously brand awareness and stuff like that um also for like when showing homes or when i have a listing you know i have um kind of like a little covid packet i call it and, yeah. you know masks and gloves and shoe covers and all that good stuff sanitizer just to make sure that everybody in the situation is protected and safe 
from the virus. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's something that you provide for every client you have. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I, they're in my car. Otherwise, I would show you them. But <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Do you have any questions? Any more questions? Or did we get all, all the questions um, out there? I think we have. Um, okay. So there was one. Okay. Um, so I have two more questions. That, or actually... I have a few more to be completely honest with you. So what are the, what are the standard rates right now? That's, that's a, again, it's, it's a very relevant question because we've been seeing a lot of rate changes uh, actually last week or this past week. Um, well, this past week we've seen, you know, 10 to 30 basis points increase on our fixed rates because of the Canada bond yield. So our current fixed rates are a little bit over 2% right? And two to 2.19 thereabouts. Um, variable rates, you know, as the fixed rate went up, the variable rates actually went slightly down. So you'll see variable rates anywhere from, let's say around one and a half percent, one and a half percent more or less. Um, obviously, it makes a difference when we're looking at, you know, people look at the rates and, and it's that shiny object that people always want to see, right? Like when we, when we heard that one lender um, lend at or starting to produce uh, uh, marketing materials at, you know, less than 1%, everybody knew about it. We got calls after calls. Every single client is asking about that lender. I don't want to repeat it, but uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, everybody knew about it. But I always tell my clients, you need to spend as much time or even more time uh, talking, discussing about products because it'll actually, you know, as, as much as it's nice to see, you know, a, a really good rate going in, but your overall cost could be the exit strategy, right? If we put you, put you in the wrong product, you're actually, you know, ultimately costing you more because, you know, you went on a, a long-term five-year fix and you, you were looking to sell it after two years. Oh. Probably, so that may be something that, that that's going to cost you in the end. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just reading it too. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah, no, that, that's super good to know though. Um, uh, just two more questions and then we can wrap it up. Um, so about credit score. So, if somebody say has a low credit score, how does that affect them in terms of the down payment and the rates? And then also, does them having a lower credit score say affect their partner's ability to buy too? Like, say if one has good credit and one has maybe bad credit, like yeah. that. Um, it, so there's different qualifications of lenders that we have out there. So if your down payment is is less than twenty percent. Uh, typically, we, we, we look at the A lenders. So that would be the banks and the major financial institutions and, uh, and obviously the mortgage insurer to, to qualify. They have different um, minimum credit scores that, that you need to have. So, uh, for instance, um, if you have, you know, 5 10%, less than 20%, uh, we need at least one individual to have at least 680 Beacon score. Okay, so if, there, if it's a couple, one is a little bit, you know, a little bit under 680, but one is over 680, that may still work. Now, there's typically a, uh, let's say an entry uh, credit score that you need to have. It's around 600 to 620 at least. But again, the other partner needs to have at least uh, 680, especially if it's a high ratio deal. Now, if you have 20% down, 
you know, we can still go with an A lender when your beacon score is over, uh, over 600. So it's going to be on the lower side. But if your score is way under 600, so just so you know, the lower the number, the worse it is, the higher, the better. But if your score is under 600, um, we basically will probably have to go through a, a B lender. So a B lender will give you a little bit higher interest rate, not so much more, but a little bit higher interest rates and, and some fees. So lender fee, broker fee uh, associated with it. But again, we look at it from that standpoint and say, hey, if you have you know, a certain issue with, with credit, maybe it's, it's an isolated incident, we, we look at maybe getting into the market, like I said earlier, it's not timing the market in terms of home ownership. Usually get in how long you're in there. So sometimes getting on the B lender side, if you have a lower score, is better than you know getting in today, better than having to wait you know two years or a year to when your score is better. So we usually go with a B lender, put a plan together, maybe graduate you over to an A lender afterwards. Okay, cool. No, that's that's really good information to know for sure. Thank and you. then, and then I think just one last question, and then we can wrap it up. I know I'm just gonna keep adding one more, one more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all yours. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know. Too bad we don't have those shots of tequila right now. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, for people that uh, that weren't in here before, uh, yeah. I guess before we started turning it on, I was telling Chantel for our next uh, live we should have, you know, tequila shots. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Every question will be a tequila shot question. Yeah. Why not? Right. When in Rome. <laughs> um, so the last question is how does the, the RSP, the buyer's plan work, the home buyer's plan, the home buyer's plan. So a home buyer's plan actually uh, went up in terms of the limits uh, to $35,000 per borrower. Right. So if there's two of you, $35,000 each, you can actually combine you can uh, you can combine uh, up to seven seventy thousand dollars, right? Um, it is a, a first time home buyer incentive as well, not an incentive, a first time home buyer scenario. Uh, there's some some details in there where a first time home buyer may be you know somebody that separated before or been been uh, um, owned a property but been renting for you know for the last five years and such. But if you're considered a first time home buyer, you can take advantage of the home buyer plan where you can take RSPs. Uh, from your RSPs uh, to use as your down payments and closing costs. And then you have to just repay yourself back within the next 15 years. Uh, you get the first year as a break, but the next 15 years after that, uh, you have to repay it. Um, just make sure that you've, um, you've, you've had that RSP contribution for more than 90 days. I usually say 91 days, but it's really 90 days. Yeah, so it's really for like people who have already contributed to their RSPs. Yeah. Because if you haven't contributed, then there's nothing, there's not, there's not money there yet. So yeah, you have to have money in your RSPs to be able to take yeah. the money towards it. But yeah. I think, yeah. It gives you a couple of benefits, right? So it's like, okay, well, Chantel, you're planning on buying a house and you're a first time home buyer. You know, you take $20,000, $35,000 out of your savings, put it into an RSP today, and you get the RSP receipt. Actually, not today a couple of weeks ago, because it's the RSP uh, deadline is done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but you can still get a receipt today for next tax year, for the 2021 tax year. But yeah. you get you get the tax receipts. You can get that, obviously, the advantage for your taxes uh, as a deduction to your taxable income. And then, you know, on top of that, you get to, you know, lend yourself interest-free 
right, on that same twenty, thirty-five thousand dollars, however that might be, um, and and use it for down payment. Like I said, the only thing is just make sure that you've had it in there for at least, I, I usually say ninety-one days. Yeah. Okay. okay. Cool. And I guess the advantage to contributing to your RSPs is like it brings your income down or something. Like yeah, you because it's your taxable income might uh, might be uh, might be less. So your and what your tax responsibilities might be, you know, affected by it. Obviously, talk to a tax accountant, and I'm not one, but yeah. the, the idea behind it though is that you get you get this receipt that you can kind of deduct from your taxable income. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you everyone for the amazing questions. And thank you so much, Ray, for coming on here. I see that like every, like we've had people consistently watching. So that's great. And um, yeah, hopefully we can get together again soon and do something similar. And yeah. I'm available when you, with, with tequila shots, uh, next time around, as soon as I can. <laughs> thank you guys. Thanks so much and have a good night, everybody. Thanks. Cheers.